You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today on ZZ Talk, we're still talking movies, but we're not reviewing a film. We're talking movie sequels. Yes. So movie sequels, as we all know, can be either good or bad. Sometimes a franchise is enhanced because of a movie sequel. But a lot of the time, the first original movie just didn't need one. We're going to be talking about movies that did not need sequels today. We're also going to be going over movies that we would like to see a sequel in. And movies that had good sequels, or ones that were worthy of the original, or even better. So, without further ado, we're going to get right into it. So, I'm going to start with my first, and this is movies that didn't need a sequel. And my first is The Incredibles. So, the first Incredibles movie was an amazing gem in 2004. It was sort of before superheroes were super popular, you know? Or they were always... Superhero fatigue had not set in. Exactly. You know, there was Daredevil with Ben Affleck, there was Elektra, there was Catwoman. All of them had been pretty poorly received, and the only good ones for most people were the Spider-Man movies, and what I believe perhaps uh, some of the Blade films. So... There was kind of a dearth. Never saw them. Exactly. There's kind of a dearth of great uh, superhero features. And what better than an animated one coming right after the success of Finding Nemo? The Incredibles had something uh, for everybody. It was for families. It had good things for adults. It had awesome themes. It also felt a little bit more grounded than the average animated picture. And overall, it was paced well. It was fun and told a great story about a family. Now, the ending sort of left it open to a sequel, more or less, but I feel like that was a good self-contained story that told all it needed that needed to be told. Mm-hmm. Um, Fourteen years later, we got The Incredibles two, and I have to say, it was just a forgettable movie. You know, I remember going totally to the theater, average. very super excited for it, thinking, you know, this is a continuation of one of my favorite childhood movies, and it did things fine. It, the animation was great. It, the same voice cast, uh, you know, returned and everything. But it just told a story that wasn't really necessary. And I think that's the overarching theme to a lot of what we're going to be talking about. Because nothing was necessary. The stakes weren't really that high. You knew all the characters. Nothing was really new or fresh anymore, despite it having been gone for so long. And I think that was the greatest sin of that movie. It's that. I don't really remember much about it, but I remember being disappointed walking out. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. All sequels, and I do mean all sequels, are cash grabs. They are really intended just to generate more money. And uh, The Incredibles generated a ton of money when it first uh, premiered in 2004. Um, I think Pixar has to be really careful, too, because as good as they are, and they are so good... They are somewhat reliant on sequels. Yes, they've had their ups and downs. They have. And I think a lot of ups, but the sequels have been more down. Yeah, and I think Cars was the first franchise that they had that really truly dived into a lot more sequel or dove into more sequels. Mm-hmm. Of course they had Toy Story 2, but I think that was the only um, sort of sequel they had done at the time. And right. they're known for quality. Right. So I think in their newness at that point, people were just constantly amazed, really all the way up until up. I suppose. And then it started varying in quality from there. But I loved Toy Story 3, but I won't be talking about that. Okay. Well, what? since you mentioned Toy Story 2, I just want to make mention of the fact that that was your very first movie in a theater, Noah's wow. Eiser. What was that, 1999? Wow. Sure. 
That was such a long time ago. I, I don't remember that experience. Yeah. You don't? But, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so what do you got? All right. Well, I, I've got to start with a, a film that is one of my all-time favorites, 1975's Jaws. Jaws. The first blockbuster. The very and of first. course, of course it would have um, a sequel if it was the first blockbuster. Uh-huh. I mean, I think this just pulled out all the stops. It was an original story. Well, it was based on a book, of course. But it was just extraordinarily well done, extraordinarily well received. To this day, people who saw the film, certainly people of my generation, when they see the film or they see the ocean, yeah. there's no question that we that we don't think about Jaws. Exactly. And I think it sort of represented a culture shift because I wasn't around there at that time and you were probably a little bit too young to remember. But people didn't think about sharks no. in that way beforehand. No. And then now, whenever you get in the ocean, you hear dun-dun. I remember dun, thinking dun, 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 dun. as I walked out of the theater and I was eight, so you know, I don't know why I was taken to that terrifying movie. Because everything, was was honestly... PG, everything was PG and G back then. <laughs> that, you know, If you true. had a parent, a parent to guide you, then that's the, that was the whole point of the movie. That is true. So, yeah. Anyway, the story was self-contained. Mm-hmm. Great story. We all know what happens at the end. Mm-hmm. So the only way for them to have a, a sequel that would appeal to people right. is to bring another shark, have another shark infestation, or not infestation, but, you know. As a threat. Right, exactly. Yeah. So why do we need that? We didn't need it. Now, I know that you liked Jaws 2 quite a bit, and because yeah. of that, I'd be interested in going back and watching Jaws 2 just because, you know, I respect you and respect your opinions. Um, they're not always right, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I'm open to it. But they just didn't need to because I really feel like um, it was sort of the beginning of tarnishing the legacy of Jaws. Right, and um, I, I think because time, so much time has passed now. Mm-hmm. We've gotten past that. We've gotten over that. Because, I mean, let's face it, Jaws is one of the all-time great films. Yes. And, um, and of course, it put Steven Spielberg on the map, even though he had done some stuff beforehand, too, which was also um, well-received, but not to the degree that, you know, um, Jaws was. So, anyway, all that said, Jaws 2, unnecessary in my book. What's next for you? All right. So, my next one is Rocky. So, hear me out on this. I know people love Mr. T as Clubber Lang. I know people really like the fourth one with Ivan Drago, who was Dolph Lundgren. Yep. Um, fun fact, he's actually Swedish, but I think they sort of... Made uh, him Russian? Yeah, made him Russian right. in that, because I guess that was around the time. It where, was. Yeah, the okay. Soviet Union thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, there were five Rocky movies in the original franchise, and then maybe six if you count Rocky Balboa in 2006, I believe. But... I think Rocky represented one of the best aspects of a sports story, an underdog story. You see he's down on his luck, he's poor, he has almost nothing, you know, he's really getting beat up like and he's uh, he really has no one but himself. And it was kind of true to life of Sylvester Stallone who uh, wrote the script mm-hmm. uh and starred in it. I felt like that was an amazing self-contained story because you see him go from the bottom to the top by training hard, you know, sort of getting all of his ducks in a row, having an adversary that, you know, seems unbeatable, and then finally overcoming that. And, of course, how can you forget the ending, you know? Adrian! Adrian! <laughs> so, as, How's that known? <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, as cheesy as that may seem, it's a really victor- it's a victorious story of yeah, triumph. Yeah, story. And I, I think that works best. Of course, you want to see more great stories, feel-good stories, but I think that works best with just that one film. In a lot of ways, it suffers from the same thing that Jaws does, uh-huh. or Jaws 2, right? It, it's self-contained, uh-huh. good story, well-developed, good characters, done. 
Exactly. And don't get me wrong. You know, I actually do like three and four, but I don't feel like they needed to happen simply because of the fact that it, the second one, the sequel of uh, Rocky, reintroduces the same villain. It's, you've already gotten that story. You already know what it's like to conquer a shark in Jaws 1, mm-hmm. like a crazy shark. You already know what it's like to be an underdog and move to the top. Mm-hmm. Rocky's already at the top at number two, so mm-hmm. the stakes aren't as high. Right. And um, I'll, talk, uh, I'll talk later about the spinoffs, but that's how I feel about the Rocky franchise in general. The first one is just amazing, and I feel like it would have worked better as a self-contained story. And it won Best Picture that year, too. So Yeah. Uh, my number two is Grease. You know, love the film. I, I think a lot of people, for, for a lot of people, Grease is a guilty pleasure. Uh, I know. Really? Yeah, I think in our house. I, I mean, mean, people, we all love it. But it's it, Maybe it wasn't this, you know, bastion of originality and amazing creativity. But actually, I kind of feel like it is. But uh, It was a play beforehand. Right, right. But, I, I mean, I would say Grease is tongue-in-cheek. It's the word. Campy. Grease is the word. Exactly. you haven't heard that. Grease Lightning. You know, right. it's it's can't be tongue-in-cheek fun. That's for everyone. And, yeah. I, I mean, I personally think all of the music is fantastic. It is all fantastic. But, you know, I'm speaking for you. Keep, keep talking about Well, which about is my the, point, yeah. too, because, again, self-contained. You know, it's a good story. Great music. Uh, and I'll just keep this short by saying no one asked for a Grease 2. And, and if you can name one song off that soundtrack, Grease 2, that is, yeah. um, please do. Because, you know, you can name ten songs off the Grease 1 sound, or Grease soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Grease 2, you know, it, I mean, plus, there's part of the delight of Grease, the original, yeah. is John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. Of course. Right? I mean, we all know that, that they're way too old to be playing high school students. But it works on every level because mm-hmm. of the cameos of so many different um, popular actors from different eras. Then you throw in Michelle Pfeiffer, which is not bad. Yeah. And Maxwell, Maxwell Caulfield. Caulfield yeah. Right. But they were not. Um, they don't able have the to same charisma. That. No, exactly. Because they were not able to capture that chemistry. Mm-hmm. They lacked the charisma. I don't even know if I saw it. I'm just here to we say the We did music. see it, did which speaks to how forgettable okay. it was for you uh, a long time ago. But right. if anything, the first Grease was a total star vehicle for John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. And I think it just sort of goes to show and how, it's a lot of fun. how good it is as a singular movie and how you can't recreate you cannot replicate. Grease Lightning in a Bottle, so to speak. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's next for you? All right. Uh, my next one is going to be uh, Kingsman, uh, the Kingsman franchise. So there is a prequel coming out pretty soon. But uh, the original Kingsman, The Secret Service, came out in 2015. I remember a buddy and I went and saw that. And we didn't really know what to expect. Uh, it looked cool enough from the trailers we had seen from other movies. So we went in with moderate to low expectations, and this one just blew us away. I don't think this was really on anyone's radar. I believe it came out in January, and you know January is the wasteland, the wasteland of movies. Of movies yeah. So they dumped them. Exactly. So we were like, wow. And then the public reacted to it like you know super well, and it greenlit a sequel. Mm-hmm. And the sequel was just... It had that trademark stylization that made the first one so, I guess, uh, stand out. But... This one was really mean-spirited, in my Mm. opinion. You know, when they go over the top, like they did in the first one, this just sort of felt gross, like, unnecessary, and the characters were far less likable, and it seemed like the actors were phoning a lot of it in. It just didn't gel together nearly as well as the first one did, and just like the other movies we're talking about, there's not as much of a resonant impact. 
So I felt like Kingsman, the Golden Circle, just really did. If I, I would welcome, you know, of course, you know, another Kingsman sequel, but I felt like the Golden Circle wasn't the sequel that the original needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some that can work really well, and honestly, I just kind of left with a bad taste in my yeah, mouth. Yeah, I remember I was just coming like, back and saying, "Not so great." Yeah, disappointing. I'm yeah. sorry. All right, my next one is um, uh, Airplane. Now, you and I have talked about Airplane. We should do a whole episode on Shirley, airplane. you can't be serious. <laughs> I am serious. And stop calling me Shirley. <laughs> um, the, uh, well, I'll talk about that in a second. But Airplane is, for me, the funniest movie I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of movies. And now, some people would agree and others would disagree. But there are classic lines from this film that are so memorable. So pervasive in co- uh, pop culture. In you know? pop culture, yeah. yeah. That, um, I, I mean... Jim never has a second cup of coffee at home. <laughs> I mean, or, I, or a hospital, was it? It's a big building with six people inside. <laughs> That's, That's not important, important right, right now. <laughs> but so, how can you, again, lightning in a bottle? Yeah. Yeah, that really had it. And then, uh, so you go to um, Airplane 2, and it's supposed to be the uh, space shuttle, which was big at that time. So it's not course. even an airplane. It's not an airplane. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it was the same sort of thing. I've forgotten what happened to their relationship. It had a lot of the same actors. Uh-huh. Um, but Which is good in a sequel because you don't want to see That is true something. because we decided that yeah. Grease 2 was sort of a miss because it had completely different characters. Uh-huh. But in this sense, it was just, um, I don't know, you, you can't... Lightning doesn't often strike twice. Yes. And um, it just didn't work. It was fine, mm-hmm. but you know, you go into a sequel, especially if it's a comedy, yeah. and you're like so ready for those zingers, and they come very infrequently or yeah. not at all, and you're just so disappointed. So for me, Airplane, funniest movie ever. Uh, Airplane Two, I don't even, I barely remember it. Unnecessary, not a worthy sequel. Time to move on. All right. Sorry if you can uh, hear one of our dogs scratching themselves. They're up here laying with us. But, uh, yeah, I I completely agree. And I think that sort of brings up the larger question of expectations Mm -hmm. for movies. Of course, a sequel you're not going to go in blind, right? If you saw the first movie and you liked it, you're going to have some certain expectations for a sequel. And that does make things tougher. But that's especially difficult in comedies is what I've noticed Mm -hmm. because Airplane is just – it's so funny, and I don't think anybody expected for it to have this lasting impact. Whether or not it's aged very well is another conversation entirely. But it, I remember we rewatched it, what, maybe a year ago? Mm-hmm. We were laughing the entire time. Oh, it's just and that we were good. Also, you know, speaking yeah. the lines, because yes. we knew what was coming. It's highly rewatchable. Right. It is. It um, is. So we're going to move on to uh, my the next. The red zone is for loading. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't finish that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. So the next one uh, for me is going to be Spider-Man. Um, so Which I'm... Spider-Man? There have been so many in uh, your yeah. lifetime. Uh, yeah, they've done two reboots. Uh, okay. So it's going to be the original Spider-Man. It's be a prequel. <laughs> we might get one one day. I don't know. We probably will. Anyway, so the original Spider-Man is just special, in my opinion. This and is Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. Tobey Maguire, James Franco, Kirsten Dunst. Willem uh, Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, uh-huh. who, super weird guy, but I love him in all the roles he plays in. He's, he's I, not I think intense he's great. at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there was something about, so Sam Raimi, director of the Evil Dead franchise and quite a few other uh, well-known horror films, you know, that was his genre. And then he moved into this high-budget Sony-released superhero film 
after there were essentially no big, you know, action films of that sort of size. And then a take on Spider-Man, nonetheless, perhaps the world's most popular superhero at that point. It shouldn't have gone, like, it shouldn't have gone right at all. But it was such an entertaining film. Mm-hmm. It sort of stayed, it, it stayed um, uh, very true to the source material. Green Goblin, of course, you know, before CGI was, you know, getting better. The suit was a little bit cheesy, but... It showed Peter Parker as a teenager, which was cool, how he got bit by the spider, and, you know, sort of his learning the whole process of being Spider-Man, and it told a great story. He had a great love interest in Kirsten Dunst. I actually, you know, really liked uh, her in the movie, and then, of course, Harry, uh, James Franco is Harry, his best friend. There was a lot of emotional impact, because even the first movie, Peter Parker's best friend's father dies really by the hands of, uh, you know, Peter, almost. Mm -hmm. So... There was great setup for a sequel, but I will say, unpopular opinion, Spider-Man 2 just isn't nearly as good, and it's actually my least watched in the franchise. I did like Alfred Molina as um, Doc Ock, and I mean, there's good things to be had, but I just never liked the idea of the superhero saying, I don't want to be the superhero anymore, you know, or, you know, he loses his powers or something like that. Why do they always lose their powers? I know, it's like, I'm coming here to see you do extraordinary things. I don't want that sort of thing. If you have to. I want Kryptonite banished from every Superman film and TV show. I know. Well, I mean, he'd be too super then, but I totally get what you're saying. So, I mean, you know, most people will probably disagree with me. Um, And, of course, three didn't need to happen, even though. That one has a special place in my heart because of how cheesy it is. But, um, you know, overall, it's just the first Spider-Man movie. Of course it was going to be part of a franchise. Of course it was going to make money. So I understand why there was a sequel. I just feel in general that the first was the best Spider-Man out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, uh, full disclosure, I did like Andrew Garfield uh, as Spider-Man. Oh, me too. He was my favorite Spider-Man. He wasn't a great, I know that's unpopular. He wasn't a great Peter Parker because he's kind of a model. But he was a great Spider-Man and the superhero outfit. I really liked the first one. Uh-huh. I think that was a uh, fun fact. The director of those movies is Mark Webb. So that's kind of funny. Um, and I then, see what you did there. yeah. And then, um, Emma Stone is great as always. Always. And, uh, she actually, you know, spoiler alert, you know, she dies in the second one and the second movie in that franchise sort of ended it that did. continuation of it, which is, I mean, crazy to think about yeah, we never really problem. got closure on that but yeah. we have tom holland now he's fine i've seen the first uh, spider-man homecoming and then uh whatever far from home i've not seen far from home i've heard mixed things about it um unfortunately that movie's premiere was blocking my commute in la which is already really uh packed so i kind of uh self-boycotted it for a while oh, but that's okay. a personal that's a personal vendetta um anyway we're gonna move on to have you you need one more right you're naming one more i actually need two more but uh I'll be happy to give you one more. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Independence Day. Independence Day. So Independence Day, we all know it's a great, fun, summertime blockbuster, popcorn-esque Will Smith movie. And um, I, you know, it's fun to watch Will Smith punch aliens in the face. Right after being the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Exactly. And um, he saves the world. Mm Mm-hmm. And the aliens go away, or he kills them all, and he saves the day and the world, and mm-hmm. all is all is well. Yeah. So we needed a sequel. How many years later? For what reason? It just. Oh, I know. To see if we could cash in on the success of the first one. I don't even remember who was in the second one, but I'm pretty sure Will Smith was smart enough not to 
to take the role. Part of me feels like he had a cameo in it, but I think it was one of the Hemsworth brothers, maybe. Or maybe that was Men in Black, the new one. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Um, ultimately, it suffers from the same thing that most sequels suffer from, which is lack of necessity. Yeah. It's- lack of need, lack of interest, lack of story. Yeah. And so it's just trying to repeat for a different audience the same film that was successful. And it becomes a tired concept yeah. after a while mm-hmm. because, of course, Independence Day, like we were saying uh, before with other films, is perfectly self contained. Sure, I mean, I guess if aliens existed, maybe they'd come back, but we already defeated them. Where's the fun? Where's the newness in that? Mm-hmm. And if they were to make a sequel, why would they make it so many years later? I would imagine that if aliens were to come back, they'd do it perhaps sooner. I don't know. You can't use logic in these, you know, big blockbuster action films, but I'll admit the first Independence Day, love it or hate it, was an entertaining film, and I didn't see the second one, but I know you fell asleep in it, right? The second one? Yeah. I think I turned it off. We were watching it at home. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I don't have any plans to see it. I'll keep my good memories of the first. All right. So we are going to move into movies that uh, actually had very good sequels or uh, that were worthy of the original or even better. So uh, since my dad just shared uh, one of his last ones, I'm going to go ahead and say John Wick 2. So I remember watching the original John Wick with my dad in 2014. We saw it on pay-per-view and we were pretty hyped for it. You know, Keanu Reeves was sort of making a little bit of a comeback and... uh, uh, him as an action star, sort of this grizzled, uh, you know, uh, assassin hitman who was sort of out of the work. Uh, that that was an interesting concept. We watched it. It had its it had its moments, but we weren't really in the violent, is it? It was very very. You I'm teasing that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I remember we sort of weren't with the crowd on that one. We're like, it's good enough, but it, not something we'll watch again necessarily. John Wick two changes all of that first of all the action is better the set pieces are better the pacing is better it's higher stakes keanu reeves is just awesome he's awesome yeah isn't he cool Mm -hmm. and i I think the internet has sort of adopted uh, a lot of love for him in more recent years but i think he's deserved that because the man trains really hard for these movies and you can see that i mean his he doesn't maybe display too much range but what he does he does. That he does not do. Yeah, what he does, he does really well, uh-huh. and I think that's important here. Yeah. So, and people know he knows what his audience wants. Exactly, and I don't think I was expecting that of this sequel because the first one was sort of in one place, lesser budget, a little understated. But the sequel also adds a ton of lore mm-hmm. to the sort of society that mm-hmm. he's in, and you know, uh, basically the nature of his work. And uh, people are hunting him, so he's always on the move. You know, it always feels like there's always a lot of... on the move. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's a lot of tension. There's always, like, you know, anybody in the crowd can be somebody trying to assassinate him. And I thought it was just a thrill ride from beginning to end. I highly recommend you watch it if, um, you know, you're interested uh, at all. It sounds like it was very satisfying. Yeah. Three was fine. Um, it was fine. So I, I would just say two sort of had that newness to it, you know, it took a great concept and expanded on it in a meaningful way. And that's what I appreciate about most sequels. Okay. All right. Well, um, my first one, my first film that is a sequel that is better or at least as good as the first is Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Most people would probably agree with you. Yeah, I would now, say, yeah. And, and you know what I like about Empire. First of all, Empire uh, really takes a good story 
and turns it into a saga. Or it takes a good first film and develops it into a really strong story with strong character development. Yeah. Because what happens in A New Hope, Episode 4, the original Star Wars, mm-hmm. is we fall in love with these characters. Yeah. We just, with all of them, they're all very likable. And then what Empire does is it introduces us to new characters while taking the existing characters and giving them a story. Emotional weight. Emotional yeah. weight. We have um, we have a love interest. We have siblings. We grow fond of... The characters uh, we've just seen. Yeah. You know, of, yeah. Of C-3PO and R2-D2. We, we recognize that, that their relationship mm-hmm. is meaningful mm-hmm. to both of them. And that movie single-handedly... <laughs> pretty much produce the greatest cinematic villain of all time. I know. Isn't with, it amazing? With just one phrase. Yeah. And you had that spoiled for you, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did. But ultimately, for me, The Empire Strikes Back is not my favorite film of the first Star Wars trilogy, but it is certainly, in my opinion, superior to A New Hope mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. Darth Vader only had like 33 minutes of screen time throughout the entire um you know, original trilogy. So I think it just goes to show how much they did with the characters and the time that was, you know, given to them. And so. in part, we named your brother Luke because of that yeah. entire series. Yeah. Star Wars means a lot to us, if you can yes, tell. It does. Go back and listen to ZZ Talk episode one for lots of good detail on our thoughts on all three trilogies. Yes, definitely. All right. So uh, moving on, uh, my next. Uh, film that had a uh basically the sequel creed creed is a rocky thing going on in this episode don't you well you know i do because i consider creed to be more of a continuation to the rocky Mm -hmm. franchise rather than Mm -hmm. a direct sequel it takes uh, so first of all sylvester stallone you know his time in the sun is gone he's kind of retired from it and he's taking on you know sort of a mentorship role Mm -hmm. I think it tells an incredibly interesting character story in Apollo Creed's son, uh, Rocky's former rival, and how you know they came closer and how they're actually able to you know sort of share this bond. And then Rocky trains his former adversary's son to be a champion. Mm-hmm. That is awesome to me. <laughs> and you know, it's just I love those underdog stories. Yeah, and me too. Really, it takes a similar concept but modernizes it. And gives it great emotional weight. You know, there's good a uh, good love interest story in there. Michael B. Jordan does a sensational job. He's awesome. And that movie. And, you know, he got cut for that movie. He was really, you know, sort of in the boxing mindset. And I, I just felt like it was super interesting. It was well-paced. You know, the dramatic, like, the dramatic instances of that movie, they didn't feel cheesy or forced. Mm-hmm. It felt like the true successor to a Rocky movie. Not because it was, uh, mostly because it wasn't a direct sequel. It was sort of just like in the world of Rocky. So I really appreciate that about the first Creed. But I can also say that Creed 2 made me fall asleep. And the first Creed was good on its own, good enough on its own. Mm, okay. Yeah. All right. My next one is Monsters University. So we've had a little bit, a little dis- a little bit of discussion about Pixar in yeah. this episode. Who's Macapa Fraternity? <laughs> Very. And, um, you know, Monsters um, Incorporated was fine. Yeah. I don't remember loving it. It was early on in the Pixar vault. Um, 2001, yeah. Okay. And I just remember the great anticipation of going to see it, and I thought, okay, that was fine, but it's no Finding Nemo. 
Yeah. Or it's no Toy Story. It's better than A Bug's Life. I don't even know that I saw A Bug's Life. Huh. Though The Bug's Life ride at Animal Kingdom, if it's still there, is quite good. But anyway, yeah. aside from that, um, but Monsters University surprised me. No. I went, I must have liked Monsters Incorporated enough to go see Monsters University. And I thought it, it, was, um, it was a better story. It further developed the characters. Um, I feel like it was just uh, an overall better cinematic experience. One of the strengths of Pixar is its storytelling. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, maybe it's because I work at a university. Yeah. And you and I have both attended college so and graduate school. So we have sort of a sense of this whole university experience. And yeah. um, I think for me, maybe that reinforced or in, um, made me enjoy the film that much more. Knowing that it was so, somewhat connected to... You know, what you do experiences that we have had and what I do for a living. So yeah, of course. All of that said, Monsters University, in my opinion, is a better film than Monsters Incorporated. Yeah, I remember liking it a lot, and I would probably agree with that. So um, my next one is Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, which is what number? I think it's five. It came out in 2011. It's four or five. Okay. Um, I think it's five. You keep talking. I'll let you Fact check me on that. Uh, Anyway, so this movie is awesome. This is everything an action movie needs to be. So Brad Bird, who directed The Iron Giant, and um, uh, you can tell me who else, uh, what else he directed. I think he... The Incredibles. He directed The Incredibles as well. Um, This movie is so cool. All the different set pieces. It takes place in Dubai. You know, you have Tom Cruise doing the stunts, these over-the-top stunts that no man his age like really ever does. He climbed to the top of the Burj Khalifa, which is the tallest building in Dubai. And I just have to say, this movie has it all. Car chases, you know, small moments of, you know, character building. Amazing action sequences, whether you're getting chased or you're climbing away from somebody or you're just fighting somebody hand-to-hand combat. It's just an exciting movie. It's just something that hasn't really been able to be replicated in some of the other action movies I've seen. Yeah, a lot of it's technically dumb, but it feels like a meaningful, like very well thought out, and like it was made with a lot of love. And I think I was really, really happy with the final product when I originally saw it, because I've seen it five or six times since. And I will say that most of the other sequels of Mission Impossible have not really been able to sort of capture that same magic. So overall, Mission Impossible 5, just a thrill ride from beginning to end. What an amazing roller coaster. It was four. It was four? Yep. Okay. Okay. All right, my last one uh, for this segment is Superman 2. Superman 2. Yeah. So the 19... original, 1980, 81. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Christopher Reeve is the uh, quintessential Superman. Yeah. In my opinion. And, uh, you know, Superman 1 was, was a real treat. You know, we were on a roll there cinematically in, yeah. the, in the 70, late 70s, 80s, into the mid-80s. Uh, and Superman 2, uh, Superman 1 was just a, a, a treat, a delight. Everybody loved it. it. You know, you can the tagline was, you'll believe a man can fly. Yeah. And, um, and you did. John Williams score, too. Uh, John Williams score. Incredible. And, of course, it was just all right after Star Wars and, yeah. and, and Jaws and, and all that. So... So Superman 2 comes out, and um, it was actually filmed at the same time Superman 1 was filmed. Is that true? Yes, it was. Did um, they really do that back yeah, then? they did huh. that back then. Back to back. And um, it, it, it has a much more, in my opinion, there's some, there's Superman 1 sort of lags a little bit early uh-huh. on in the film when they're on Krypton. 
Um, but it has three villains, as you may remember. Yes, yeah, Zod. Led by General Zod. The Zod Squad, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, they're fun and, and they're mean. And um, But it's also the, the story where Lois Lane fall, finds out that Clark Kent is Superman. And I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's just like reveal yourself and see how this relationship can work. Um, and for me, the entire film worked because it had, um, it captured the, um, the innocence, if you will, mm-hmm. in some on some level, of the first one, mm-hmm. with a little bit of a cheesy but meatier storyline as it as it came to the villains, meaningful continuity, and developed yeah. their relationship, uh, Superman and Lois. So. Yeah, and I know that you're you've always been a huge fan of the dynamic between, you know, how they're portrayed in different shows. You love them in Smallville and I know that, you know, you're a big fan of Superman what and you've Lois seen so the new far show, Superman, yep. uh, on the CW. Uh-huh. Um and Lois and Clark back in the 90s. Yeah. And um I have to I have to agree, I haven't seen that movie in ages. It might have been 18 years since I've seen that movie, but I remember one of the first movie memories I ever had was when they were on the moon. Uh, the oh, yeah, Zod yeah. and his crew were uh-huh. on the moon, and Ursa and Non. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Non, like Nan. the bread. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I remember they were talking, interacting with these astronauts, and they took the patch uh-huh. off the. Um, they took the patch off the astronaut, and of course, you know, like he suffocated, and. I was just like, oh my gosh. You know, that's when I, it really hit me. I was like, those are just really evil people. And I remember, that's always resonated with me. And I remember they go down to Earth and they try taking the patch off the person, right. the police officer, and the same doesn't uh, happen. But I think they like laser beam him or something like mm-hmm. that. Pretty crazy stuff, but entertaining movie nonetheless. I, I do want to say, though, that Superman loses his powers <laughs> in Superman. Oh, that's right. But he comes back and he gets them. Yeah. So. so. We love justice when it's being served. We do. All right. Last um, one for each of us. Last one for each of us uh-huh. is going to be uh, movies that need a sequel. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say World War Z. Uh, the zombie genre has been sort of played out at this point, and I think most people can agree with that. And um, at this point in 2013, it was still continuing. The Walking Dead was very, very popular, sort of probably at its peak. And... People hadn't really seen a great zombie movie on screen, I think, in a while. Brad Pitt leads this, and it was based off of a popular book. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, people were pretty satisfied with the uh, project. It had fast zombies, really volatile creatures, and, you know, they would... uh, They could all, like, pile up and climb over, like, a massive dam or a wall or something like that. So, I thought it was cool, but it, it was one of those blockbuster films that had an ending that sort of left things open to interpretation. It was kind of bleak. And I felt like, while maybe it doesn't need a sequel, there's so many stories that you can tell with different survivors. It doesn't even have to be Brad Pitt anymore. It could be a different group in a different part of the world, like maybe those on an island, and maybe somehow somebody brings a boat of zombies over. You know, there's just so much to play with sort of in that way, and with these non-slow zombies who are extremely vicious Mm -hmm. and aggressive... I think that's a really cool concept that could be sort of uh, expanded on further. So I think uh, World War Z definitely deserves a sequel. You know, it's funny. I don't remember. I remember I saw World War Z, mm-hmm. and I was big into the whole zombie thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't remember the film. So I need to go back and maybe watch it on a streaming service. Yeah, I'm sure it's on Netflix or something. All right, so my next one actually had a little bit of a sequel, but it was so... Um, just disconnected that yeah. I don't count it as a sequel. And this is going to be an odd option. But I'm going to tell you my film that I would really like to see a true sequel for is 
The Punisher. The Punisher. The Punisher. Did you watch the TV show? Um, I tried. It was okay. John Bernthal's usually awesome, so. Yeah, well, Thomas Jane uh, plays the Punisher. Yeah. And what was interesting about this film is it's, you know, it's pretty strong. It's pretty um, uh, violent. Yeah. Um, but the humanity of the lead character uh, seen through the relationships he develops with sort of a cast of unusual characters mm. is what really endeared me to this film. Yeah. Um, yeah, John Travolta plays the villain and he's over the top and, and that sort of thing. Mm. But at the end of the day, this is a film with characters that I'd like to spend more time with. Yeah, it's and not that just... for me is why I would like to see a sequel to The Punisher. I remember watching it and it wasn't... I, I expected more punishing, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Um, and once again, that's another successful superhero film. Uh, well, anti-superhero film. Yeah. I don't know. That came out either right after Spider-Man or uh, somewhere around that time period. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I'm sure they're going to do something more with it uh, eventually, but I'm pretty sure Disney is hesitant to put out a Punisher-esque sort of piece of media. Yeah, We'll see, though. Yeah. All right, so that's all we have. Um, we uh, definitely appreciate you listening to us talk about movies and rant about the ones we don't like. But if you have any dissenting opinions, uh, I'll be on our Instagram and uh, plugging this because I forgot to do it yesterday. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, thank you so much once again for listening. Yeah, our, our movie talk might be over for a few weeks. We're moving, yeah. on to, we're moving back to music. Uh, yeah, in a, in, a, in a future episode. So yeah. stay tuned for that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is, is Easy, Easy Talk. Talk.